Okay, welcome to the latest United podcast, reviewing United's 1-1 draw with AC Milan in what sort of felt like a Champions League tie. It felt felt to me like it was prime AC Milan. They were moving the football at times, but it was, in fact, sadly, a Europa League tie. Um, and joined by Josh, Larry and I are unable to sort of sync our schedules this Friday, unfortunately, but lucky to have super sub Josh back on the podcast. Unfortunately, not the best circumstances, but welcome back. No, good to be back. Um, I think second game in a row where reviewing a game that we've not won. So hopefully that's not a uh, continued trend. Yeah, hopefully not. Well, it's a shame we didn't get you on after the Manchester derby because it shows you sort of the situation United find ourselves in. Absolutely no real surprise going away to the Etihad and winning 2-0. And then you think, well, we're going to continue that. But then again, you say, well, no real surprise that we've just put in a very lacklustre performance against AC Milan. No, and I think going into the game, obviously, both teams second in their leagues respectively. It's um, quite a big game in terms of where both teams are at at the moment, in terms of where they're aspiring to be in their leagues respectively. So, yeah, all set up for what should have been a really good game. Do you say that, and we discussed that in the last podcast, we are saying, okay, if AC Milan were in the Premier League, where would you expect United and Milan to be? Like, or especially Juventus. Okay, if Juventus were in the league, you'd expect Juventus to be above Man United. So AC Milan being above Juventus in the league, they've obviously got something about them. However, they aren't the same forces they once were. Same, same with Man United, obviously. And they obviously miss an Ibrahimovic and had one or two other injuries. But I take away that, take away all the injuries, take away the status of the clubs and everything. Just look at the football on display at Old Trafford during the match. I thought Milan were brilliant. And again, they, they missed some chances here and there. But I thought they were absolutely brilliant. And look, we definitely do need to criticise Man United, which we'll definitely get into. But what do you actually make of AC Milan? Because as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, it almost felt like a Champions League performance the way they were moving the ball. Yeah, I mean, you hit a nail on the head there. I thought they were terrific today. They probably... Um had a goal or two, one of which probably unfairly ruled out. Um, mm. But going into the game, I mean, they had Mandzukic, Ibrahimovic injured, two really good, experienced strikers that definitely would have caused us um, some problems, especially aerially. Also, their main centre-back um, was also missing. So they're missing plays in key areas of the game. So looking you know, forward to the game, you think it's quite a good, United, quite a good um, you know, opportunity for United to capitalise on some of those injuries. Obviously, we've got some injuries ourselves. Um, but you think with the squad we have, should have been more enough, to, more than enough to put on a bit more of a challenge in the game. Well, just in regards to sort of our performance and sort of the lacklustre nature of it, sometimes I go in and sort of review games like this, and I think, oh, just one of those days they're a little bit flat, and there's sort of certain reasons you can point out and say, okay, they might have had a bad week at training, or they're a bit tired, or their eyes on the next game, or the referee was a little bit sort of stifling, etc. But this game, I look at it and I was just thinking we'll just pour I just saw so many silly passes and sloppy with our first touch and I don't think this was just one of those days I think it was just a poor performance um, which sort of highlights some of the limitations a lot of our players have no definitely definitely um giving the ball away too many times um key experienced players as well Matic um, Wan-Bissaka you mean how many times did they give the ball away it was it wasn't probably what we expected today going into the game and just in terms of performance, energy, especially after that Man City game, you thought it maybe carry on. I know obviously we made some changes, specifically with Tellez coming in, Bailly coming in. Probably expected a little bit more. Was there anything there, okay, we were just sort of named individuals, anything Solskjaer related that was maybe disappointing or didn't sort of meet up to your standards? Or was it just this one falls on the players? 
I don't think so. I don't think you can really blame Solskjaer for the starting 11. You, you know, you've got to make some changes to this game. You can't be playing the same 11 every game. I don't think they were major changes to the game. I mean, obviously Rashford's injured, so you have to you have to replace him. And I think you know to replace him with Greenwood was probably you know everyone would be calling for that. It's probably the most sensible decision, really. Um, Matic, I can understand why he comes in, just in terms of the experience, cope with the aerial threat, a bit more of composure on the ball. Well, you'd hope for that, obviously. Well, does um one player did mention who I thought you got to mention in regards to the rotation, just a little bit on Tellez, because when Tellez came in, I was. A little bit sceptical of the signing. Do we need a left back, etc.? But regardless of that, when he came in, I saw good signs, especially his debut against PSG. I thought, and that was in the middle. Not Luke Shaw's bad form, but it's almost the Luke Shaw of last season. All thinking, okay, tell us if he knuckles down, he's going to be our number one left back. He's a better footballer than Luke Shaw. However, you fast forward these six months, and Luke Shaw's arguably the best left back in the league. Tell us hasn't been bad. It hasn't been good. It's just been sort of I don't know five or six out of ten. But is there a case that a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek that Alex Tellers has been our best signing? Because you see the difference when he plays compared to where Luke Shaw plays. His signing has taken Luke Shaw to a new level. And you, you, <laughs> you, but you see that difference when Luke Shaw doesn't play is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think in a backhanded respect, yeah, he's probably been our best signing in terms of getting the best out of Luke Shaw. But um, yeah, quite disappointed with, with Tellers today. I don't probably blame Solskjaer for putting him in. I mean... The amount of games we're playing, you've got to rotate some players. At you know, at, at some cases, obviously, Maguire's come out and said in interviews that he can play. Every, you know, he has the energy to play every game. It's worse for him to be rested because he just loses that amount of energy. Whereas someone like Shaw that runs his socks off every game, you just got to give him a break. And I think in a game like today, where it's only the first leg, I don't think it was the worst decision from Solskjaer. You'd think Tellers potentially offers enough going forward. Um, you know, to cause some problems in the game. I don't think it was a bad decision to play him. Obviously, looking now at the game with drawn one all, you're thinking, oh, maybe you should have put Shaw on. Um, you know, should have sorry, started Shaw. Yeah, you can reflect on that, but I don't think it was the worst decision. You know, you'd expect him with the you know defensive lineup he's with to, you know, still put in a decent shift. I mean, he, I'd probably rate him probably a five out of ten today. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good. Yeah, I think it's hard, and maybe a little bit of a different situation of Van der Beek, but I think it's a hard one, especially with Tellez, because Shaw is playing so well. Tellez's game time is extremely limited, so he might only play once a month, but then when he comes in for that one game a month, he's obviously off the pace because he hasn't played the previous four or five games. Exactly. So he comes in and it takes him a few games to get going, and it's a hard spot. And and you've got to keep one eye on the weekend as well, Tom. We're playing a really informed... Yeah. Um, I know we're going to discuss this, but we're playing a really informed West Ham, and you want probably a fully... You know, fit Luke Shaw to to start that game to cope with the threat of, um, I'm not going to say Lingard because he's not playing, but more on the lines of Antonio if he does start, um, and also you know the attacking threat they pose. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, just moving on, look, we can discuss performance and reason performances and everything. We can discuss that to death. However, at the end of the day, goals are what win games. Tactics don't win games. Football doesn't win games. Goals win games. And we had two golden opportunities. Just get your thoughts on both. Because, um, look, both are open goals. Both have to score. The Harry Maguire miss and the Dan James miss. Now, I'm definitely not going to defend them because I've just said they both need to score. They're golden opportunities, open goals. However, the Maguire one, he hasn't aimed. He's just tried to get something on it. He's sort of overstretched or hasn't quite got far enough on it. It's hit his shin and he hasn't been able to direct it. Now, he obviously should be able to 
direct his foot onto it to be able to control the ball into the net. He hasn't done that, but it's not like he's aimed for the post. He just hasn't quite reached it. It's hit the post. And the Dan James one is probably worse, in my opinion. However, I will defend Dan James in the sense that... Look, it's hard because he has to score. The pace that ball comes across, and it it doesn't feel like it on TV when you're watching it, but if you're at ground level, and not only at ground level, but if you've ever played on a pitch like that, they are so slippery and the skid it takes off the, from Greenwood's pass it skids to Dan James and you can just see he's not ready for it he thinks it's just going to be rolling but it takes a little bit of a skid and just shoots off and you can see he gets his left foot up to hit it but just not quite in time now as a professional footballer who's used to playing on the pitch at Old Trafford he should expect that so it, it's 100% Dan James's fault and he needs to score but my god it, I'm just telling you it does look a lot easier on the TV however in saying that there's no excuse there's two golden chances um, which could prove costly yeah, I mean, I agree with you with Dan James. I think that's I think that's actually slightly worse than uh, than Maguire's. And Maguire is pretty much like he's one yard away. I think for Maguire, though, he gets. I don't know if he gets a bit distracted. I don't know if he thinks the keeper's going to get a touch on it, or you know, it's taking some form of deflection. But you, you know, you've got to be burying that. And same with James. I think what you've got to remember is if they put them away, we've sort of undeservedly won that game three nil, two or three nil. And um, I don't think on the balance of play we deserve that, but you you know you'd be looking at them thinking how have we won three 0 if they put them away in yeah, games man. like that where you don't get many chances you you know a good a good finisher a good play you've got to be really assertive because chances didn't come often in that game and then we've had two chances that you know arguably on a plate and they've got to put them both away at the end of the day you can't really you can't really defend it I know when Maguire said you know he might have been distracted by the keeper or if he's taken a touch or if there's been a slight deflection but you've got to be really alert because mm. as I said chances didn't come often for us in that game and those are two massive chances yeah it'll be very interesting look this time next week we'll be having a little bit of a laugh about those two misses or we're going to be looking back at those two misses and thinking they've cost our chances at a trophy this season and yeah, potentially Solskjaer's future who knows so um, fingers crossed they don't sort of come back to cost us but um, we'll definitely have that discussion next week now, next week, I think we'll be talking about someone maybe getting a start. I'm not sure. Um, Ahmad Diallo has arrived at Old Trafford. Um, I think, first of all, credit to Solskjaer. Now, obviously, Martial was injured, so he's almost forced into the substitution. But we definitely needed a sub at halftime regardless. And he has thrown Diallo on for a full 45 minutes against Milan, which is, um, I think, a sign of sort of trust. And he's thrown him on there. And um, I'm not sure if it was his first touch or not, but it was a brilliant header. It sort of remind me, do you remember the against Stoke? Remember Hernandez's header, the back header? Yeah. Yeah, I was at that game. From memories of it, it was again. It was it wasn't a great United performance, but we came away with a two-one win. But it was it's a good look. The ball by Bruno Fernandez, fantastic. Which we'll get into three-two ones. I don't remember Bruno at all throughout the game. He, he did fine, but didn't sort of stand out. But again, a key assist. Which look, we sort of argue that James and Maguire misses are going to prove costly. Where if we go through by a goal. We're looking at the goal by Diallo, but also another crucial assist by Bruno Fernandes. But enough on Bruno, just your thoughts on actually Diallo's, well, first off, his goal, but also his performance, because he was, he, he looks a clever player, uh, which sometimes these young players come in, you think, okay, they've got all the ability in the world, but they sometimes lack a little bit of sort of head smart, but he always makes the right decision for me. Yeah, I thought he actually had a, a good half when he came on. Um, you've got to remember, it's his first, um, it's his first you know, competitive performance really for United, like first proper, you know, yeah. decent run in terms of getting minutes um, in the game. And you've got to play like fearless in those situations. I thought he was really fearless, especially um, 
you know, with the goal itself, good communication with um, with Bruno in terms of setting it up. But it's a great finish. You got to finish them and Donna Rummer, who's I feel he's been around for ages, but he's only yeah. like twenty four, isn't he? I think they said he's made like 200 or 300 appearances already for Milan. Yeah. He's going to reach 1,000 appearances. I mean, he's a a tall goalkeeper and he's done well to like chip him with the header. Great finish. Well, just on Donnarumma, the rumours came out throughout the week that United and Chelsea were both, were they interested? Look, we had this discussion with Andy Mitten, what a story of being interested in a play actually entails. Um, Chelsea and United both interested in Donnarumma. It's a weird one because there is obviously no shortage of debate at United around goalkeepers with De Gea and Henderson. Now, look, everyone who's listened to the podcast knows my thoughts on the situation, and I don't definitely don't want to start a sort of slamming Henderson here, but just your thoughts, and I think even go before um, the goalkeeping issue, def- defending from the corner again, we've conceded, a set pe- conceded from a set piece, whether it's zonal marking or individuals, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to watch the goal back because it just hurts me watching the goal back. For me, the issue with the goal, which we'll get into Henderson, but in terms of the defending aspect of things, we just didn't attack the ball. It was a free header. Someone's got to be closer. and just It's not about zonal. It's not about man marking. It's about attacking the ball, and we didn't do it. Yeah, and I think there are a few, there are a few players to blame for their goal. I don't know if you blame a keeper. I don't know if you blame McTominay. He should have done a bit better. Um, in terms of the keep, you mentioned, obviously, the, keep, the keeper debate. I know I've, it's just... I just don't think we need to be having this conversation again of should we sign, you know, Donnarumma. Fans have been asking for Henderson to get a good run of games. He's only probably, what, played three consecutive, three or four consecutive games now. Just give him, like, the time he needs to play those games while, you know, De Gea is back in Spain. No, you know, no one's got any idea when De Gea is coming back. And then judge him after that. I don't think it's enough to say, right, he's played four games. We need to be signing another keeper. We need mm. to be having this debate. United's always going to be linked with a keeper just because it's looking increasingly likely that De Gea will probably leave at the end of the season um, but do we need to really be having this conversation now? Oh no look, had- I, look me and Larry have this conversation every single week however I do agree with you it just it, the conversation does throw up especially when a situation when okay everyone's calling for this goalkeeper the goalkeeper gets thrown in and they just think, well, if that's De Gea who lets that in, De Gea is going to be hung out to dry. Now, yeah. I agree, Henderson shouldn't, definitely shouldn't be, be hung out to dry, okay? It's a mistake from a goalkeeper. De Gea makes the mistakes as well. However, it's just um, the way we treat different players. If that was De Gea, I could only imagine the reaction and the calls for Henderson to come in. But um, it's just one of those... The, as I said, the situation should be avoided by someone winning the header at the back post and seeing the game out that way. Um, it's just a shame um, that it has come to that. And but, no, absolutely. Uh, and if Rashford misses, you know, the chance Harry Maguire misses, I don't think it gets the attention. Well, because it's Harry Maguire, it gets the attention. Yeah, well, Maguire, yeah, Maguire's going to be a meme for the next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> over that miss, I've already seen the, the, the. There are some good ones. Have you seen that Maguire pointing at things Twitter page? I love that. I love that account. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pointing. Going at back to Henderson, though, I just think I think let him have the run of games he's going to have. I don't mm. think the hay is going to be back in. Um, Manchester anytime soon and when he does obviously gonna have to isolate so he's gonna get like a nice run of games now Henderson and then at the end of that we can judge him and think you know what is he gonna be good enough to carry United as number one going forward for the next couple of years Um, if so fair enough if not then yeah let's have those conversations about um, who could potentially replace him yeah no definitely well uh, I think that is good I think it's not good that he's made a mistake but I think the positive I want to take for this okay he's made a mistake 
but now, now he's going to get another chance against West Ham. He's definitely going to start again, and I yeah. think that's probably good for him. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he goes. Now, Josh, time of the week, we have to get the shovel back out. Um, three, two, ones. This is going to be a tricky one. Usually, you'd think, as cast back 15, 20 years, a one-all draw with AC Milan, you'd think, oh, gee, that's a performance there. They're not, not too bad. However, it's obviously a different situation, and the performance was quite poor. So, look, I'm going to just throw it out there for three points. I don't know why. I'm just going to go Diallo for his, for his goal. Yeah, I'm going to go for Diallo as well. Um, I think it was just a magnificent run and header for the first goal um, of his career for United. Um, well, professional career in the first team. Played with a lot of freedom. He was fearless. He didn't do much after the goal, but he just, you know, had that confidence after the goal. And I think it's going to be um, promising signs going forward for him. I think he'll be a very good player. No, fingers crossed. Now it's going to get significantly harder. Two points and one point. I'll give the floor to you. Yes, yeah, so I was thinking of giving it to a defender for the two points. I'm, I'm going to change my mind now. I'm actually going to give it to um, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Um, reason being is it was one of them Bruno Fernandes performances where he's pretty much off colour. Then he goes on, he goes in and sets up, you know, the goal for um, Ahmad Diallo. And potentially, for he could have had another one with uh, earlier in the game for Maguire. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, when I say Bruno has a poor game, which I sort of alluded to at the start of the podcast, it's definitely not that. I think what I mean by a poor performance is just not involved too much. And sometimes that's through a player's fault. Some sometimes that's through no fault of his own. But yeah, he just goes through sometimes games where he just he not goes missing. You just don't notice him. But um, yeah. he just has that ability. And uh, as I said, if if we go through, we're going to look back at that assist and think. Absolutely crucial. So, yeah, for today, but overall, I think that's not a performance that gets you two points in our three, two, one voting. However, today, considering the other performances, I think yeah, it probably is enough if Diallo gets it for the goal. Um, next in line is Bruno with the assist. Now, is a defender making you a one point or? I think so. Yeah, I don't think anyone else did um, enough really. I thought Scott was okay, but. You know, I, I, th- I, thought, I thought that was on him at top. I thought he was poor. I, I thought energy-wise is the same as sort of what he usually is. Yeah. I thought on the ball he had a lot of... He was picking the ball up in a lot of space and he always had time to pick out a pass and he's not trying to overcomplicate the pass, I thought. He was always trying to pick the perfect pass and sometimes it just wasn't on and he was, yeah. he was trying to force things. No, I agree with you. I think it was just a standard five out of six. But in terms of being more than that, I actually thought I had a decent game. Yeah, look, the amount of defending we did. Um, you look to only concede one goal. Now I know two others went in the goal, but they're obviously disallowed. But look at the way the game panned out, and yes, we did defend a lot of the time. So I wouldn't, and I think he definitely played better than Harry Maguire. Now I wouldn't argue the one point for Bay. Now this is a hard one because he's been subbed off. Um, what do you think of one Bissaka again for the same thing? He wasn't great, wasn't good. It was just we're defending a lot, and I thought they weren't really causing too many problems. Um, sort of in, trying to get him behind us. I thought, for, like, I thought Wan-Bissaki was right to sub him. He looked really tired. Yeah? He looked really tired. Um, I thought he was solid enough defensively. Um, and when when we did go forward the odd times, he, he supported us when we could. But, yeah, I thought, again, standard six, six out of ten performance. Don't think it was any more than that. I don't think it was, like, a good seven. Yeah. Whereas I thought... Eric Bailly, he, he did cope well with the pace they had in attack. He did bail us out a few times. I'd actually probably give it to Bailly over Wan-Bissaka. But obviously we've conceded a goal in the last minute and you, you look to your defence. Oh no! Look, look, look overall, and I guess the amount of defending we did do, I, I definitely wouldn't argue Eric Bailly, and especially with however Bailly's miss. Um, I wouldn't begrudge Bailly the point there. He has come in for some criticism on this podcast, so happy to give him 
a little bit of love there. So Diallo for three points, Bruno for two, and Eric Bailly for one. And just on that, before we move on to so a few other things, you mentioned there Wan-Bissaka looks tired and completely agree. We always talk about Rashford being overplayed, Harry Maguire never puts his hand up to have a break. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is almost worse. He, he plays every single week. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he needs tells. a break. He, he physically needs a break. And I think, look, we've obviously had our other right back on the other side of the pitch and sort of Diego Delo. I'm just thinking he doesn't throw Brandon Williams in. Can you see a future? He hasn't sort of had rave reviews this season, Delo. But are you looking at a right back next season? Not to replace Wan-Bissaka, but to provide that a little bit of cover for him? I think so, yeah. I think similar. it could have a similar effect on the show as well. Have a decent... I'm not saying about a world-class right-back because I don't think that's the answer at the moment, but I think someone to really challenge him because there is no challenge at the moment. He's, it's a very, you know, set position, isn't it? You don't yeah. really think who's going to start a right-back today. And we had the conversation, at, you know, early in the season, oh, who's going to start left-back is going to be Sean and Tellers, but, you know, you, the fans that were calling for Sean to be replaced would kick their toy, you know, they kick the toys out of the tram now if Sean didn't start. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think you need that similar competition whether that is Delo, I don't know. I thought he actually had a decent game today, Delo. I thought it was very um, steady. I don't think he had a poor performance. Um, but yeah, I think if he did manage to play out the rest of the season with Milan and you know, strike a few good performances and he came back really fresh next season, he could pose that challenge. I think United uh, would probably go to market. I think Delo um, could end up leaving at the end of the season. don't think he'd come back. Yeah, no, my money would be on that. But speaking of leaving at the end of the season, um, moving on from the football side of things now, Edison Cavani, there was rumours linking him away to Boca Juniors. Now, he's in an interesting situation because he's on a one-year contract. I'm not sure who has the option. I think the club have the option to extend by year if they wish to. And um, so it's a weird situation where we can keep him, but he also has the option um, to talk to other clubs as we speak. So there's no surprise with a link to sort of back home to South America. Now, his dad has got involved, and I think this... I, I don't have the interview in front of me. I think a lot of it was sort of misinterpreted and lost in translation sort of thing, and a few clickbait, sort of clickbaity headlines. But it's come out sort of around about that Edison Cavani's dad has said he's not happy in Manchester, he wants to move. Now, it's not quite true the way it's come out, but Edison Cavani has obviously come out on Instagram, photo in the United shirt saying, I love this club, blah, 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 I love wearing this shirt. So he's so he just sort of put, a bed, put to bed those rumours. But just your thoughts on the Cavani situation. Not only just Cavani leaving, but how much do you think, and there's no hiding from the fact, Haaland's performance during the week and performance this season, and obviously Solskjaer has had to mention him a few times in the press conference. Do you think this intertwines the Haaland and Cavani news? No, I think like United are always going to be linked um, with players like Haaland. And I think you know it's very easy to link that to how the Cavani news is suddenly spreading I think a lot, I think it is what you just said a lot of it has just been misinterpreted um, you look to his Twitter post earlier in the season which got him a ban I think yeah. he's I think he's quite upset with in terms of how that was handled I don't think that's helped things obviously he's taken the punishment and rightly so to an extent I think he should have been punished in some way for it whether he deserved a free match ban is up for debate but you know that's, that's done now um, I think that's obviously impacted him I don't think he's happy with the I'd say inconsistency of the FA in terms of handing out punishment but I think a lot of what he said has probably been mis, you know mistranslated it's very easy and some it's very easy to do that sorry misinterpret misinterpret you know language especially in a country like that and also 
journalism as well is very dangerous at the moment. We've seen it in so many different avenues. They cut out different bits. You know, you're not seeing the whole picture. I can imagine what was escalated wasn't a full interview. I think it was just a segment of it. And obviously we- that creates clickbait. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, you just speak about inconsistencies in terms of the FA. I think I, I'm sure Cavani would, wouldn't mind this because he's probably a friend and a teammate. However, it highlights the inconsistency. Sergio Romero a few weeks ago did exactly the same post that Edison Cavani did. He reposted a um, post from a friend and used that term. Not nothing. Not a news article. Nothing. But Edison Cavani did it. Who's a starting player for Manchester United, blown up into this worldwide news and got a three-match ban. Sergio Romero hasn't played this season, but did exactly the same thing, and obviously no news of it. So yeah, I'm sure Edison Cavani does feel a little bit hard done by by the FA, and um, the treatment he sort of did receive in England over it. But um, moving on to look, we've just had a draw against AC Milan. We're talking about our star striker moving on, but probably the biggest news this week, which we've waited, well, God, since United's inception, we've never really had this role, but especially in the last six seven years, we've been calling for it. Um, United have finally unveiled a director of football and sort of in a two-pronged role we've got um, sort of John Murtaugh is the actual director of football and Darren Fletcher will be appointed the technical director. Now we'll get into which is which and what is what sort of thing. I think a lot of people sort of overcomplicate these roles. Um, a football director or a director of football, sorry, at Chelsea might be have the same title as a director of football at Tottenham but they sort of perform completely different duties. Um, it's down to the club on how they perform those duties. So there's no set, okay, this is what a director of football does. Because at another club, you might be doing something completely different. But just your thoughts on the two appointments? I think they're great appointments, personally. I think for a long, long time, United fans have been crying out for a director of football. Probably for the last three or four years, really. There's been loud sentiments um, outside of the club to suggest that. Um, a lot of people kicking their toys out of Fram. I don't know why. I think they wanted a bigger name for director of football. A lot of fingers were pointed at Edwin van der Sar. But I'd say to those fans just to be patient, really, because they've not had any time at all to implement their practices. Let them, you know, embed into the role. Let them implement what they want to implement and judge them after one or two transfer windows because it's going to take time. We've got what we wanted. So just let them do their job, let them implement their practice. I think it's a great opportunity as well for Fletcher, coming in from, um, you know, coming in obviously from the, from the reserve, well, the, the coaching role as well. I think he's still going to participate with that to some extent. But he's also been, I think, studying as well outside of his injury. So good opportunity for, to, for him, and I think they'll work really well together. As I said, they just need, um, you know, time to implement what they want to implement within two to three transfer windows. We just mentioned that... Yeah, you mentioned there sort of people won't, or not unhappy, the, we can see it, just had to go online and see the reaction, people are unhappy with the name, they wanted a bigger name, however, I look there and I think, if they got a, if we got a German from the second division no one ever heard of, people would love that, they'll think, okay, that, that's going to Germany, that, that's the future sort of thing, but signing an English guy, I think John Murdo's English, um, who's come from Everton under David Moyes, that f- feels in, in the perception, the way that sounds, that sounds uninspiring, however, it's not about that for me. It's not about the name or their past. For me, the situation United have found themselves in and Ed Woodward and Matt Judge performing that role, we just needed a football person. You could have you or me in that, just a football person in that role. We'll see if he's good at it or not, but it'll be better than what it is because it's a football person making a football decision. Now, obviously, he has to answer to Ed Woodward and those above him, but 
I just think having just that just different perspective, not a business model there, just a, a football point, and especially Darren Fletcher there, who not only has a football point of view, but a United point of view, which was lacked so much. I know the term's been thrown out there a little bit in the previous couple of weeks, but lacked that United DNA. And one of the roles I've sort of seen reported around the Darren Fletcher sort of position will be him talking to a potential new signing. So he'll be going there and t- telling about the club and selling the club. And I think... Okay, you'd you'd want that to be a Cristiano Ronaldo or a David Beckham or an Eric Cantona type person because if they knock on your door, any single player in the world's going to sign. Darren Fletcher maybe doesn't have that pull, but I think the love for the love for United Darren Fletcher does have will just be as important in those type of meetings. Exactly, and I think as well, I don't think anything has changed with United. I think United, regardless of where they are in the league, can still attract top players. I mean, we proved that when we were in the Europa League in 2017 and we got Pogba back at United. I think the problem with United in terms of transfers is they've lost a lot of credibility and that's without not, that's through not having a director of football. We've been seen as a bit of a joke. I know Everett's not helped things when he went on a podcast and said that um, you know a, a football agent called him and told Matt Judge to answer his phone. Mm. I mean, where he, I understand what he was trying to do when escalating, you know, when saying that, but what it does is you lose a lot of credibility and the people's perceptions of us you know, turn into a bit of a joke and it's not obviously helping the situation but that's the problem with United and not having a director of football someone with a footballing brain you know, to handle those type of transfers Woodward's great from an economic perspective you know, he's done wonders in terms of you know, the commercial growth of United but he's not you know, a footballing guy he's not come from that footballing background whereas a new director of football has and obviously Fletcher is really passionate about the game and United more importantly I think there you just mentioned Matt Judge and having football people which I've mentioned as well having football people in that room in that negotiating room and who knows if this is true this is Chinese whispers they've gone through who knows if this is true at all but there's strong rumour going out that one signing I think it's from either the Spanish league or the Italian league a few years ago a couple of years ago the player wasn't named and again it's just an unverified report however it wouldn't shock you if this was true that Matt Judge sort of sat down with a player and his agent. That they walked into the room, sat down to discuss a potential deal, and Matt Judge said, "So, what position do you play?" And I just think, if you were a football, a professional football, an international football, going into the into a room, and someone from your sort of future club says, "Is got all these the documents out in front, ready to sign you," and doesn't know what position you play, there's no no wonder that player probably walked straight back out the door and didn't sign for United. Now, who knows if that is true or not? Who knows? How it wouldn't shock me if that is true, but that is the importance for me of getting a football person in there to have those discussions. Yes, you're going to need your money men in there to discuss the deal, obviously, and Matt Judge will be there, and I'm sure he'll still have the same role. But if you can have a Darren Fletcher in that room or, or this new director of football, I think it just adds, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, a touch of football in the room, which we haven't had in the past. It's all, always been business, which our business has let us down. Exactly, and it's not, as I said, they've not implemented anything yet it's something that's going to take time to be judged on but it's a it's a move it's a very very positive move and it's certainly in the right direction it's definitely needed so there's no arguments for me there regardless of the name it's just something that we, you know that we've needed well i think my last point on it just there which you mentioned um no hiding from the fact we have needed it it didn't happen under van Hal, it didn't happen under Mourinho. But now it's happened under Solskjaer. And whether Solskjaer is the right man for the job in terms of winning us a title, winning us a Champions League, who knows? I'm not quite sure and probably not. However, this is the argument why I think he's the right man for the job now. Because 
he's re- look, we've never had a director of football, but he's restoring that culture. He's getting things right off the pitch. Now, hopefully that results in a title under his reign. Who knows? But our job isn't to win a title now, considering the situation the club has found themselves in over the past decade. We're in no position to challenge the likes of a well-oiled machine like Man City, no pun intended, Liverpool, who have been fantastic, Chelsea, who have been fantastic in the transfer market. We aren't in a position to challenge those teams. By miracle, we have been this season. Um, Other teams have fallen away and we've found ourselves in a title race at times earlier in the season. But um, I think this appointment under Solskjaer's leadership as well is another tick in the box for why Solskjaer at the moment, maybe in five years he's not the manager, um, probably won't be, but at the moment this is why I think he's the, doing the right job at the moment. Well, who knows if he will be. I mean, there's rumours from some journalists that he's been offered a contract, it's going to be announced at the end of the season. Yeah, no, well, definitely time will tell, and I'm sure that will be discussed a little bit on the podcast because that will be big news. But um, before we wrap up, um, a few years ago people were saying Man United v West Ham at the end of March, uh, whatever, just move on, next game. However, this is a big game now. <laughs> this is um, could have top four ramifications for both teams. Um, huge game, not only just to bounce back from the disappointment against Milan, but just looking at the table, we're going to need to get three points to sort of tick those three points off and sort of get close to the top four, but also take three points off a top four rival. Yeah, I mean, West Ham done really well uh, this season. I think similarly to United, they're one of those teams that have been impacted with having no fans in the stadium, they've sort of you know benefited them. They've started mm. you know playing really really well. I think they've signed really well in the transfer market as well. Suchek's been fantastic. Um, Lingard on loan is you know proving to be a good signing for them as well. And also Dawson at the back. They're going to be a tough team um, to break down. They were anyway in the away um, fixture in this game, so time will tell. But hopefully. Um, you know, we have enough in this in, in our squad to come away with three points. Obviously, Lingard's not playing. Well, it sounds like, I, and I haven't read all the reports, I'm sure there'll be further developments later in the week when Solskjaer has his pre-match press conference, but it looks like Martial won't be ready for Sunday. And now, I'm not quite sure Marcus Rashford's situation as well. But let's just assume, and Cavani looks like he's definitely going to be out as well. Who are you playing up front? Is there a case for maybe, okay, Greenwood has to play up front because he's the only player you got there. And does that mean there's a case for Diallo to start? I don't know if Diallo starts, but I think he's certainly in the squad for that game. Um, I think Greenwood probably starts the game based just in terms of the experience and probably the importance of the game as well. Not to mention Diallo. Not to say Diallo obviously won't um, get a cameo if he is on the bench. He might, you know, but, get but more than like five if, minutes. He could get, but, you know, good spend in the second half, especially if we're chasing the game or we're one nil down or one all. Well, he always, always finds himself on the bench now, Diallo, so I've got no, I agree fully that he'll be in the squad, but I look at the fact that if you have three strikers are out and that forces Greenwood up front, we've got Dan James on one of the wings, one matter has gone missing again. I'm thinking, who on earth do you play? I think Diallo is next in line. Uh, one matter's a strange one, isn't he? He, he? he should be, I don't know, he came back for one cameo or he came off the bench where Lee Grant subbed him on. And then he's gone missing. Maybe, maybe you need to text your friend Andy Mitten and um, get him to ask you in a press conference. Mind you, actually, I think they've already had the press conference. Uh, I think you have the press conference for the game straight after the Europa League one. Yeah, actually, yeah, they do, and they release it a little bit later. Yeah, but, um, um, I think it'll be look. It's, it's going to be a tough game. Do you agree with me on that in terms of the West Ham thing? You know, do you think having no fans has impacted them in a positive way? Yeah, I think they're one of the clubs. And look, I think that this argument has been blown out of proportion a little bit, especially sort of around Liverpool's troubles and the narrative around the Anfield 12th man, etc. But at a club like West Ham, 
their fans have been so toxic towards their club and their owners inside that ground has been a bit of a toxic environment according to a lot of their fans and obviously it's not a great football in sort of stadium for fans viewing so they haven't created a huge atmosphere um, at their games so yeah they are probably one of the clubs that have benefited from it and look it'll be interesting it'll be fascinating when when fans do go back comparing comparing results think was this a one-off season will West Ham drop back down will Arsenal will Arsenal go back into the top not in the top four but will they have they struggled more without it have um will Liverpool get their extra 20 points they're talking about fingers crossed hope not but it will be fascinating because we always sit here and say it's such a weird season and think oh well that's got to win some stage but it has been such a weird season and yeah West Ham I haven't really thought about it with West Ham but it's arguably a strong case for them yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, you, you hope United get the win. I'm actually very happy for Moyes, to be fair. I know, obviously, he had a bit of a tarnished reputation at United in terms of what he said, um, you know, after he got sacked. But, you know, with all the success he had at Everton, I think he deserves that, you know, he deserves that success now with West Ham. So I'm quite happy with him. I'm quite yeah, happy no. for him, should I say. I think he deserves it. Yeah, obviously, no, I hope he doesn't uh, get a three points on, on Sunday. Yeah, I've never had anything against David Moyes, I think. Um... Yeah, he's just the wrong man for the the job at the at that time. And look, I don't think he was ever suited to a Man United job, but it just didn't work out. He, I think he always had the best best interest at heart. Just just wasn't good enough. And um, yeah, no, I've always thought thought highly of the man. So um, yeah, good luck to him. And it is interesting. Who knows? We could be seeing a team who sings about bubbles in the Champions League next season. For God's sake. But um, obviously West Ham is a big game for United, but um, there is a bigger game on the weekend. Um, our supporters club here in Sydney are playing the Sunderland supporters here, um, raising money for the New South Wales and Canberra Food Bank. Um, continuing on a couple of months ago, we played the Manchester City supporters club, sort of inspired by sort of Marcus Rashford's work, and we raised some money for some Manchester food banks, but this time we're doing it here um, in New South Wales and Canberra. Um, Josh, got your boots ready? Yeah. Probably coming into this game a little bit better than I was for the Man City game earlier, uh, well, late last year, should I say. Um, but again, the weather doesn't look to be too kind to us. Again, another day where it's going to be plus 30 degrees. Well, plus In the one day of the week where it is going to be sunny. I think yeah, every other day is raining. Yeah, I'm looking at the window now. and It's very Manchester-like weather here. But um, you say plus 30 and that's a bad thing. And yeah, not ideal. However, that Manchester City game was 43, 44 degrees. That was a challenge. Yeah, exactly. So a, a little bit better. Um, yeah, hopefully continue my continue our streak. I think every time I've played in the games, we've won. I think it's the fourth one now, so hopefully we'll continue that. No, it'd be um, really good. So if anyone is in Sydney, it's at Five Sports Karen Bar. We're kicking off at 12 o'clock. And um, come down, because you're not going to get any boring nil draws. Um, defending is optional at times, and there are plenty of goals and plenty of chances. And I'm sure if you come down, you'll see someone do a hamstring or a groin or something, which always is a little bit funny in the first five minutes so um, we'll leave a link to all that on all the social medias that's um, Saturday at 12pm at 5 Sports Caring Bar and um, come down we might record a podcast or something if any listeners come down but until then uh, make sure you are subscribed on all your podcast apps and following on social media at UTD Pubcast if you could just leave a review um, we've got sort of a lot of sort of personal feedback to ourselves and private feedback sort of through Messenger and everything of our latest couple of episodes which has been fantastic but if you could also Obviously do that as well if you feel so inclined, but also any reviews on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever your podcast app allows, just a little bit of a five-star rating or anything, it would be truly appreciated. 
I think a special mention to Larry as well. I mean, Larry promised us that he'd last more than two minutes in this game against Sunderland. How many minutes is he going to last time? Well, there is a rumour Larry could be out injured. So, um, unconfirmed reports. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to send him a message. And um, well, I hope it's not a serious injury, but hopefully he could make the effort for, for an appearance. But um, we will be in touch. And I'm, I think um, one of our members is taking down the camera. Um, to collect some footage so hopefully there'll be a bit of video footage um, which we'll upload on all the socials and um, not just of a few funny mistakes and bad tackles but hopefully of either Josh or I putting one into the top corner hopefully fingers crossed Uh, until then we'll chat to everyone on Monday at the pub after West Ham alright have a good one people cheers cheers